Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation and just looking up at the screen right now, the Dow Jones is down only about a percent and a half. 530 points sounds a lot worse than it actually is when you consider that uh, the Dow is over 32,000, and they've lost 530 points today, 1.63%. Now, why do they do that? Because Jerome Powell came out and said, yes, we're going to continue raising the interest rate. I told you guys they were going to. They were going to keep hiking it. See, the Fed has a job. I know I've said this before, but I keep listening to... I, I've, I've listen to the financial experts and I listen to uh, finance media, finance journalism. Uh, I've been talking to folks. I have been getting as much information as I can because you can't really get the full scope of it from a little 15 second Fox news spot. And you don't hear the national guys talking about this as much. Dan has touched on it a little bit. Uh, Moon is focused on a lot of the stuff going on in the state Nobody has really stopped and explained why we're not in a financial crisis. Everybody's like, oh, we're just worried. This could be the next financial crisis. This could be the next. This could be the next because it hasn't been. And every every expert in the financial sector has been going on. CNBC has been talking to reporters and financial journalism, and they're all saying, oh, we, we think the Fed ought to, ought to not raise rates right now. We're looking at a financial crisis. We've already had three banks go under. It could be worse. It could be a run on banks. The Fed doesn't care. The Fed doesn't give a tinker's damn about what Wall Street wants. And it's important to understand that. It is important to know the Fed doesn't care what Wall Street wants or thinks. The Fed has a job to do, and the job is to get inflation down. Their goal is to get it down to 2%. And they understand that this has an impact, particularly on the tech sector. And I've explained that before. Tech is such an innovative, fast-growing industry that there is constant borrowing and constant investment to try to get that next innovation out there. Those, uh, Those innovations can be mere hours apart, depending on how fast the technology moves. But Silicon Valley is innovating left, right, and center every minute of every day. And as a result, there is constant growing, constant borrowing, constant lending, constant investing to try to get that next big innovation. Silicon Valley Bank did not have a run, did not have a financial collapse because the Fed kept raising rates, though. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed because they were taking extraordinary risks. They weren't paying attention to the risks for their investments. And all of a sudden, they found their liquidity was zero. They lost a ton of money, and they were actively shopping for buyers. And they were very public about it. And there was a run on their bank because they were very public on just how illiquid they were. Now, I was thinking the Fed would probably raise the interest rate by half a point. They went instead with uh, 25 base points, a quarter of a percent. So now the interest rate is hovering somewhere between uh, uh, 4.75 and 5%. Inherently, that's a good thing. That combats inflation. Now, the reason that the Fed went with 
a raise at all. They're saying is because they still see inflation running hotter than they were expecting. And who knows, maybe if the inflation signs weren't there, maybe they would have held off on the hike. I think they still would have because inflation is still too high. And even if it is not exactly hotter this month than it was last month, or maybe it's cooling off just a little bit, but still running a bit hotter than they like, even if it was cooling down significantly, it's still not enough to get it down to that 2%. So they want to keep doing that. They will aggressively do that until they get inflation down to 2%. That is their job. There is a rule that I learned last week, and it is a rule I'm keeping close to my heart because it applies to every aspect of journalism, I'm pretty sure at this point, but particularly in financial journalism. And that is, consensus is almost always wrong. Every expert that came rolling in to financial journalists to tell them just what they were expecting, virtually everyone, with very few exceptions, I can count them on one hand because I've been watching a lot of squawk box, a lot of squawk on the street on CNBC in the mornings because I've been trying to get an understanding of all this. And I like to see when Jim Cramer is wrong. But anyway, I've watched a lot and I can count on my hand for the past two weeks. I can count on one hand how many times somebody has come on and said, yeah, I think they're going to raise the rate and I think they need to keep doing it. Nobody in the financial sector wants them to keep raising rates. It's bad for business. But in the long run, For the country, raising interest rates is good because it reduces inflation. It's good for you and me. Jerome Powell, when he came out and made his announcement today, Jerome Powell actually mentioned, because everybody was worried about, oh, well, what about the banks? What about the banks? What what if the banks continue collapsing? Jerome Powell addressed Silicon Valley Bank. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Silicon Valley Bank management failed badly. They grew the bank very quickly. They exposed the bank to significant liquidity risk and interest rate risk, didn't hedge that risk. We now know that supervisors uh, saw these risks and and intervened. We know that the public saw this. Um, We know that SVB experienced an unprecedentedly rapid and massive bank run. So this is a this is a very large group of connected depositors, concentrated group of connected depositors, in a very very fast run, faster than the historical record would suggest. So, for our part, we're doing a review of supervision and regulation. My only interest is that we identify what went wrong here. How did this happen? Is the question. What went wrong? Try to find that. We will find that. And then make an assessment of what are the right policies to put in place so that it doesn't happen again, and then implement those policies. You hear that? They need to examine. But what they do know is that they took a lot of risk. And the regulations, there was a regulation failure. They have to find out what regulations failed. Why Why would you put out more regulations, which is what Elizabeth Warren and all the other progressives want to do? Why would you put out more regulations when the current regulations didn't do a thing about this? But as I've said before, these big companies don't care. These big banks don't care about risk. Because they know the federal government is going to 10 times out of 10 bail them out because they're too big to fail. They don't want another economic crisis. No politician wants to oversee a total economic collapse on their watch. Anybody planning to run against the current politicians would have a field date with it. 
But the Fed doesn't care about Wall Street saying, no, no, you got to hold off. You got to hold off. What if there's another run on the banks? There's not going to be. It was very isolated, a tight knit group of a single type of investor. Tech investors. Tech startups. Those were the people who went on this run on this bank and First Republic. That's what happened. It wasn't a major financial crisis. You had three banks fail. All of them failed because of risk. Risks they took, not... It it wasn't some systemic collapse. There were problems within what they were doing, their administration, what they were doing within those banks. That's what caused this collapse. That's why there was a panic and a run on these banks. It had nothing to do with some greater economic collapse on the horizon. But everybody wants to think it. All the financial folks want to say that it is because if it is, the government will bail them out too. They're trying to will it into action. Will it into existence. They can will a financial collapse into existence. They get bailed out. They get money from that from the government. Sure, we can have the conversation about raising the insurance cap on FDI, from the FDIC up from 250000 or more. We can raise that. But we can't overregulate the banks because that's not going to do anything about the big banks. That's going to hurt the smaller and regional banks. That's the problem we're having right now. What we're having is a financial crisis from people who were taking risks and they weren't really paying attention to the risks because they knew the government would come bail them out because they were such a darling of the left, such a darling of the government, that they knew that they would just get a bailout. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump to the phones now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on? It's Stephen, man. What's going on? Oh, not much, Stephen. How you doing today? Good, good. No, I agree with you. Uh, I will add uh, to the to the whole ESG thing. I think that's you know SVB is a is a petri dish. Excuse me, petri dish for what's going to happen if every bank has to buy in the ESG, and they're already talking about implementing that across mm-hmm. the board. Uh, Biden has already uh, signaled that he's going to do that. So yeah. Uh, so that that would be obviously a, a huge financial collapse um, so, if if we went ahead and just went all in on that. So there's no diversified portfolio for the you know SVB to speak of. They, they all went in on tech and and they did it in a DEI yeah and um, ESG fashion. So yeah, and and here's the thing: ESG didn't directly contribute to the collapse of of Silicon Valley Bank, but you know what it did do. Their risk assessor, the, the, the person in charge of overseeing risk, left the bank to go organize lesbian pride marches. Like, yeah. that, that was, well, that was so it. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and so I guess we'll kind of have a slight difference of opinion there because, you know, <clears throat> the t- big tech companies, they're all in on the ESG. I mean, th- these companies are safe within the ESG framework. Yes, yes they are. So, so they didn't. So they purposely didn't uh, invest in oil companies, mm-hmm. uh, anything uh, you know, to do with you know engines or combustibles, you know anything like that. So, 
So they were pretty much adhering to ESG by right. only, you know, investing in, you know, basically lending out to these companies, these big tech companies. Yeah, and, and, and that is a part of it. Yeah, that that is almost assuredly a big part of it. But as far as um, as far as a lot of the the investment collapse and everything like that, it was the, the types of bonds that SVB had gone into gone from corporate bonds to treasury bonds. And those yeah. are the ones that went illiquid because I'm sorry. No, they went from treasury to corporate. The corporate went illiquid because the interest rates started going up and they didn't cash out in time. So that's what caused the collapse. And but you're right. The well, ESG stuff does play a role in this when the tech sector is so filled with the ESG and DEI stuff that it affects how they run their businesses, which can make those businesses unprofitable. There was a great story. I think I referenced it a couple of weeks ago from a website called the free press. And they were talking about how there are a lot of questions about just how profitable, just how good the returns on ESG investing is at best. We think they may break even uh, CNBC brought somebody on the other morning to talk about, Oh no, ESG. I mean, that that's showing great returns, except the person who was talking about it was with an, e, an ESG investing group. So, I mean, the, you can't really take their word for it. That's good PR for them. Right. Well, thanks for the conversation, Joe. It's a good, that's an interesting topic. All right. Thank you very much for the call. We're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, of course, more of your calls, your comments, more of the news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. So I was, I, uh, I have told you guys before, I'm a social media junkie, and I scrolled across a video. I, I, I watch a lot of reels on Instagram and, and Facebook. These are short, you know, little videos that are, that are posted to people's accounts, and they get tons of shares and stuff like that. Well, I came across one earlier. Uh, there's a lot of cooking ones that the algorithm sends to me through, uh, through my timeline because my youngest daughter who turned six today, she for years has loved just sitting with me and watching cooking. That, that's what we call it. And there was a vi- <laughs> there was a video that I stumbled across earlier and thank God she wasn't, you know, sitting with me watching it. Uh, cause there's a lot of swing. I would play it for y'all because it's hilarious. Uh, but there's a lot of swearing. It is a Southern gay man who has just learned to cook and is doing a video series on cooking basic things. And the very first episode that this Southern boy did was Rue. And there's one line in there. I've, I've watched this now several times, and there's one line in there where he says, I'm just a gay boy who couldn't cook before the pandemonium started. And I look every time he says pandemonium, I, I, I laugh out loud because it is just hilarious. But the whole video, like it's it's funny, but it's also one of those standard cooking uh, videos where like the camera's pointed down at the skillet and he actually makes a decent roux and talks about how to take the roux and turn it into a gravy, turn it into gumbo, whatever. It's a good video, but I'm just a gay boy who who couldn't cook before the pandemonium. That line just kills me every time. I sent it to a friend earlier, and the response was, "Well, the gay is onto something." Uh, so I, I I wanted to share that. If you stumble across the video on social media, that's you'll know what I was talking about. Anyway, um, going back to the financial stuff, there is a CNBC headline 
Fed hikes uh, rates, Fed hikes rates by 0.25% despite recent turmoil in the banking sector. Yes, there was turmoil in the banking sector, but only by a small portion of that sector. Yes, it was big banks, but every other major firm said, settle down. There's still plenty of assets. And the financial journalism sector is all in a panic, all in a tizzy, because they're getting all their information from the Wall, from, from the Wall Street folks. And the Wall Street folks are like, yes, it's a problem. It's a major problem. And even the big financial firms, even the big banks are saying, uh, not really. These were just guys that made bad investments. But that tells you all you need to know about financial journalism. It's a hot mess like everything else. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. I haven't mentioned that today. I need to remind y'all. Get the KPL app if you don't have it. Hit the little text button in the top corner. You can send a message to the show, and I will comment on your comments on the air or off the air or both, whichever. Anyway, I'm going to move on to statewide stuff. You know, the story's out today. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know Jeremy Alford put it out in the tracker this morning. If you were listening to Moon Graffon's show, you you heard a bit of that already. Um Representative Joe Marino is going to be proposing a pay hike for lawmakers. House Bill 149 would boost the base pay of legislators to $60,000 beginning next term. So uh, in 2024 when they're all seated. However, This is, oh, let me, how do I, so I've, I've been on the, I've been on the record for, you know, advocating for teacher pay. Uh, and it's not just because that would benefit my bank account. Repeat that. I'm fully aware of the conflict of interest of me saying, yes, teachers deserve more pay because my spouse is a teacher. But. That's not the only reason why. I've explained why in the past. I think the biggest reason is that I I do think teachers are undervalued. And what's more, there are too many who are there because it's the only job they could get. And there's not really a, a, a massive supply of teachers right now. I think the supply of potential teachers goes up if better pay and benefits are offered. On the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, I don't think you're going to get better legislators by paying legislators more. I don't think it's going to happen. Because what do we have in the legislature now? We have people who get term limited, then they flip and they run for another seat in the opposite house, and then they you know, flip and run back again. Sometimes they get defeated. Sometimes they get they retire and move off to the private sector where they make a ton of money because they can talk to their friends in Baton Rouge. You know, to kind of go the opposite of what Heath Ledger said as the Joker in The Dark Knight, this town doesn't need a better class of criminal. The state doesn't need a better class of criminal. And in this case, the criminal would be legislators. 
in a very real sense, no, I don't think legislators have done enough in the state of Louisiana to deserve it. Louisiana has stagnated. Louisiana will continue to stagnate. Now, I've mentioned a lot of that is on John Bell Edwards, but we have now had a near supermajority of Republicans, and yet Republicans who just have the R behind their name and no real conservative bone in their body, they've not been able to move the state forward. Hell, they've not even been able to move the state backwards. We have stuck in one spot, and there's a ton of dry rot in the state because we're not moving along. And we need to fix that. We need to move the state. We don't need to stay in the same spot. If you had a true Republican supermajority, and sure, let a guy switch from the Democrat to the Republican Party and give us officially a supermajority. We didn't have all the conservative votes we needed before that. What makes you think that another Democrat switching to Republican is going to suddenly give you the conservative edge you need to pass sensible reforms in the state. If the legislature wants to give themselves a pay raise, sure, fine. The exact same thing that I said for a teacher pay raise. Find it in the budget. Find it in the budget. Go into the budget and find where you can pull that money out. You can cut money from somewhere else in order to pay this new legislative salary for all these legislators. Because as of right now, they haven't done a thing to deserve it. There are several legislators I like. Don't get it twisted. But overall, the legislative body has done very little that has really moved the ball down the court, down the field. Sorry, I've got March Madness on the brain. They've not moved the ball down the field for conservatism or just for the state in general. We've stuck in the same spot. We've not moved anywhere. We've not gotten better. We've gotten worse, but it's not worse because we're actively moving in the wrong direction. That you can correct. That you can turn around, but just staying there and losing people and opportunities while you're stuck there rotting, stuck in a marsh rotting somewhere, nobody benefits from that, the left or the right. We're just stuck. And a legislature that can't even properly overturn all the bad stuff the governor wants to do is not a legislator that deserves legislature that deserves a pay raise. Now, in, in Jeremy Alford's piece, he does suggest, you know what, if you want to show a good faith to the uh, if you want to show good faith to the voters, make it the next term, not the term that starts officially in 2024, but the one that officially starts in 2028. The one that we would have the uh, the twenty twenty seven elections for. Let it start after the twenty twenty seven elections. Give them a raise, but say, "Hey, we know we're not going to be here then. Bunch of us will be retired. Bunch of us will be moving on. Some of us may be dead. God, God forbid. But there's going to be a lot of new faces by twenty twenty seven. Let them come in and do the job for sixty thousand dollars a year." Or maybe, as Moon was suggesting this morning, uh, you know what, if you just come out and say, uh, we need better people than us, we need better people than are currently there, that might be a selling point, actually. I find it very difficult to believe, though, that the legislature is really doing $60,000 worth of work a year. And and yeah, they, they do miss out on their jobs, they do miss out on work time to go to these long legislative sessions, but they chose to do it. 
they chose to do that. That's on them. It should not have to be on you and me, the taxpayer, to fund them going to Baton Rouge and doing nothing. It's not fair. Just like it's not fair for us to have to bail out banks that take stupid risks in their investments. The state is stagnant. The state is dying. We're not moving forward. We're not moving back. We're not moving in any direction whatsoever. We're just staying put. And no legislator that has been involved in us just staying put deserves a raise of six of, of near $40,000 a year for letting the state stay put and rot. That's just not worth it. Do I want our legislators to go to Baton Rouge and do great work and earn the money they deserve? Absolutely. I would love for Julie Emerson to make $60,000 a year being my legislator from Karen Crow. Absolutely. Would love it. She is my representative. Adore her. I want her to do great things. Yes, I want Blake Miguez to do great things in in the legislature. Yes, I want some of these other legislators who are great conservatives and great fighters, I want them to earn $60,000 a year for the good work that they do. But the legislative body is crap. And will continue to be crap until they can find an ideological bone and do something about it, particularly the Republicans. The Democrats have an ideological vote, but they're stuck in the status quo, too. The Democrats need a kick to the rear as well. Nobody in the state legislature deserves a massive pay increase because they don't have a damn thing to show for. The ones who are in the legislature, the entire time they've been in the legislature, nothing good has come out of it. Nothing that has moved the state forward in the right direction. And it's a shame that the state has gotten stuck in a rut and is not moving at all forward or back because these people cannot get their act together and do something worthwhile and come together and even negotiate something that's partially worthwhile. Instead, they've ceded a ton of their power to the governor's office because it's much easier for the governor to act alone And for us to say, we're going to veto, we're not going to pass this, and they go ahead and do it anyway. Go ahead and pass it, or the governor just does it by executive order. There's nobody in the legislature right now that deserves that pay raise. If they want to give themselves a pat on the back and a pay raise, fine. Go find it in the budget. Go make some budget cut that allows you to afford this, because adding more money to the budget just makes the problem that we're facing worse. That's probably really unfair to ask of them, too. You know what? Hell with it. I don't think the legislature deserves 63. Give our teachers a a floor of 60 a year. And let the legislators have to deal with these little pittance pay raises here or there. Little steps in pay offered from their districts, little 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 meager additions here or there by the by themselves. Give the teachers a massive hike. Let the legislators work their little steps, work their little little uh, minor increases here or there. Let them understand what they're actually doing. They're not going to. 
a lot of self-interest that goes into voting to raise your own salary. And I get it. Sometimes it needs to be done. Sometimes you just want to put yourself in line with the rest of the state, the region, whatever. But if one legislator can actually tell me if they plan to be here, not necessarily in 2024, but plan to be seated in 2028, if one legislator who's currently there would still be there when that rolls around, please explain to me why the why you as a legislator legislator deserves this. Please tell me why you as somebody who goes to Baton Rouge every year and holds hearings and votes on bills, why do you deserve $60,000 a year for the state to go nowhere? I would love to hear that. But you're not going to. You won't. Instead, you're going to hear a proposal for 60,000. Whoa, 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 that's too extreme. And so, oh no, we'll be we'll 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 be more moderate on that. Forty-five to fifty thousand. That that seems reasonable, right? It's still a thirty thousand dollar pay raise. But hey, that's more reasonable than this sixty. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What they they there's no record of success to show for it. There's no Record of success. And like I said, with the teacher thing, with the teacher thing, you can make the argument that, hey, we need to attract better people to this job. But you're attracting people who want to work with kids, who want to educate the future. What are you doing if you're offering the legislator, the legislature a pay raise? You're attracting more people with gigantic egos and filled with demagoguery, and that's it. They get good money out of the legislature, then they get make good money lobbying. That's it. That's all they get from it. And you and I still suffer for it. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program or send a message through the KPL app chat. We're going to take this last break, come back, and close up the show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Me is I agree with you about the teacher situation. But also I was watching the news last night and you know, Opelousa's fire department, most of them get Nine dollars and something an hour. I mean, for God's sake, they're firemen. Yeah. You know, legislators don't go in and put out fires. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, so. it, it's a, there. There are such good things to spend that money on. And and the state can do something about civil service uh, pay raises like for fire and, and police and law enforcement and, and all that, too. But the big the big issue is where are they going to find that money? Because. We don't want, I mean, yes, our firefighters deserve it, police, policemen deserve it, but I don't want them just because it feels good to offer raises to all of these different professions just by adding to the budget. What I really want is a group of legislators to come together and say, yes, we can give ourselves a raise. Yes, we can give teachers a raise. Yes, we can give firefighters and policemen a raise. We need to find a place in the budget to take out that money to make sure that we can continue to fund it so that we're not just you know, racking up this right. unfunded liability here. Right. Well, you know, what I would really love to see, which will never happen, I mean, you know, call me a, 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 a anti-sports guy, <laughs> you know, take some of the money from the people that are making millions and millions of dollars a year on in sports and give it some of that to the teachers and to the firemen and, and police. I mean, you know. I would I would love for the big donors who who essentially fund the LSU athletic programs to be a little bit more charitable to our civil workers. I would love that too. But, uh, you know, that is, I, w- I would love for, yeah, 
the Saints organization. I would love for for Gail Benson. I would love for the super funders of of LSU athletics. All these mega donors, all these folks who have the money to be able to put it to good right. use like that, absolutely. But it's going to come down to a government that's smart enough to know how to balance a checkbook, and nobody seems to be able to. And the ones who are don't ever get enough power in the legislature to actually put that into practice. Exactly. I agree. Well, that's all I had. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jerry. I appreciate the call. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. And anybody else who wants to call in, 232-1542, got a few seconds left, so maybe not today, but you can definitely send a message through the KPL app. I know somebody checked in earlier uh, testing, but I do see them. I do respond to them when I can on or off the air. Anyway, that's about going to do it for today. Uh, Oops, that's the wrong thing. Why did that play? Anyway, we need to play this one. That is the outro. Strange. Anyway, that's it for me today. I'll be back in 23 hours, as usual, to talk to you guys once again. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Uh, you can also reach me on uh, email, Joe at RedState.com. Check out the podcast version of the show, JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. You'll see the stuff I write. You'll see the podcast of the show there. You can subscribe to the podcast through whatever podcast app you use, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Check it out. Subscribe. Rate and review on those platforms. Helps me out a little bit. You guys have a great day. Shannon is offside with Gary Cruz next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.